This week's Cloudcast is brought to you by Momentum SI. Whether you want to migrate applications to the cloud, transform to enable DevOps, gain insight from big data, or accelerate your agile development, Momentum SI's strategy, consulting, and hands-on expertise can help you get there faster and with greater success. Check them out at MomentumSI.com. And now, on to the show. Cloudcast Media presents... From the massive studios in Raleigh, North Carolina, this is the Cloudcast with Aaron Delt and Brian Gracely, bringing you the best of cloud computing from around the world. Good morning, good evening, wherever you are, and welcome back to another Cloudcast coming to you live from Raleigh, North Carolina. Uh, just myself tonight, Aaron's got a uh, family commitment to take care of. Um, you know, for a while we've been digging into a lot of the kind of trends that have been going on around DevOps. Uh, we've talked a lot about Docker and, and some of the more modern things. Um, but tonight we wanted to dig into a few of the things that are kind of building an ecosystem around a lot of that. And uh, we're going to kind of revisit something that we touched on almost a year ago now. Um, and we uh, decided to, to bring back the guys from CoreOS. Uh, very excited tonight to have uh, Alex Polvey, who's CEO of CoreOS and founder of CoreOS. So welcome on. Welcome aboard, Alex. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, as we were kind of looking into stuff, uh, you and I were, we were saying before the show started, um, we had your your uh, your CTO, sort of co-founder, uh, Brandon Phillips, on about a year ago when we were doing a bunch of shows at LinuxCon. Um, in New Orleans, and you guys were just kind of coming out of stealth. You just gotten some funding. It's almost been a year now. Um, you know, ton of stuff going on with with CoreOS, from you know projects that are getting kicked off to kind of partnerships with guys like Rackspace and DigitalOcean and others. And so, what's what's the big focus for the last year or so for for what CoreOS has been doing? Oh, the real focus is you know just. Getting the products ready for prime time, you know, getting everything production ready, getting you know first major deployments going, um, you know, building we're, the the things we're building are very low level. We are building core technology, you know, no pun intended, but yeah. it is core technology um, at the end of the day. And so the stuff, um, you know, we're starting from from a fre uh, you know fresh perspective a lot of the times too. So we're building you know low level hard components, um, and it takes a while for them to get right. Uh, you know, they don't just appear overnight. And and uh, and so we've been really focused on stability and production readiness, um, as well as distribution, you know, through cloud providers, but also you know, in companies' private environments as well. Um, okay. So lots of lots of new products we put out, um, but also making the stuff that we put out even better um, as well. Okay. Now th there's a lot of stuff that you know. So for folks that don't know, CoreOS is sort of a um, you know, kind of a, a very optimized version of, of Linux. So it's it's still a, a Linux OS distribution, but it's it's very optimized in sort of some unique ways. And there's a lot of things that you guys have done that that don't make it seem like just a, a server OS anymore. I mean, there's there's things like uh, etcd and systemd and fleet and stuff that's doing scheduling and, and kind of cluster management. Um, you guys do a lot of direct integration with Docker. Um, how do you you know as, as you're talking to people about about CoreOS and what you do and some of these other things, like how do you tend to talk about all those different tools and components and projects? What's how do you help people kind of think about how they all fit together? Sure. Um, so there's really three main areas. There's 
is how we do patching and updating. Um, and I think you know this week in particular is a, a great example of, of the importance of that you know, with the, the bash vulnerability that's been circling around is actually still not quite resolved <laughs> right. right now. Um, on with AWS and yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and really at the end of the day, we believe the best thing you can do for security, performance, reliability, really all aspects of your server is just run updates. Um, and, and so if you think about your infrastructure that way and like, what do I need to do to be able to update a server? Kind of all of these components that, that you see as building shake out from there. <laughs> and it's kind of a backwards way of thinking about things. But, but when we started building CoreOS, we were really focused on what can we do to fundamentally improve the security and reliability of the internet overall. And, and so we started with like, look, we think we can make a step forward, you know, step function and security if we just up, make it easy to update servers. How could you easily update servers? Well, make it okay to take them out of rotation. So how do you build environments that, that take them out of rotation easily? Well, now we start talking about distributed computing and, and how can you build these fault tolerant and resilient environments. Um, but you know, companies want this too. I mean, if you talk to any sysadmin and you say, hey, can I, can I pull a server you know, out of, you know, pull the plug on one of your servers and your applications keep running, would, would that be a good thing? The, you know, a sysadmin would be like, yes, definitely. But then you ask them, can you do that today? And most people would say no. Um, and, and it's not because they don't want it, it's because it's too difficult. Right. And so we, we've started, you know, we started with this position of like, hey, let's just, let's just do uh, have these best practices that everybody wants and start tackling the hard problems and just go for it. You know, it's like about time some company, um, some company does it. And so things like etcd are, because to build any distributed system, you need to have a component um, like like etcd in there, it's you know serves a similar function as like what a zookeeper would do, and but it just needs to be easier. It needs to be more accessible to a wider range of you know infrastructure people out there, and and kind of all of our products um, come from that same genesis. So okay. updates is where it all started, but we we found ourselves in the middle of something much bigger. Okay, and and some of those things um, like like etcd, etcd which is a, a scheduling or scheduling algorithm scheduling system, you know they they they're sort of optimized for CoreOS, but then they're you know built to run for for other Linux distributions. So you guys still have that sort of community mentality as a company that that what you build, you're still going to kind of give back to the broader community as well. Is that still kind of the philosophy? Uh, definitely. Okay. Anything that anything that we build into CoreOS or that we build ourselves, um, you know, we we want to be a component, you know, a Lego brick. Um, that, that people can use to, to build their own systems. And etcd is a good example of that. I mean, it's been adopted by Google and the Kubernetes project. Pivotal uses it in Cloud Foundry. You know, I was talking to a, a company today, Mailgun, they're the mail provider. They, they have been running it in production for months now, and it's like, you know, still pre-1.0 release. Um, and so etcd has got a, an, a, its own whole life of its own that um, has taken off, and I think it just... It talks to the point of how um, you know how much people want this stuff um, and how making it easier, like uh, you know, just you know, it lowers that bar of entry. Yeah. Now, the the last time we guys we talked to you guys, you were you were kind of explaining to us the whole uh, unique updating mechanism that you have. You know, so it's sort of uh, you know operating system as a service or managed Linux, and and it was you were trying to explain it to us in the concept of like. You know, it's sort of like when you're when the apps on your phone get an update, you just kind of update them. Or when you know Google Chrome says, "Hey, there's an update." D explain explain kind of how that works. And, and now that you guys have been dealing with it for a year with with real customers, like how do they operationalize these sort of live updates as opposed to 
you know, the way people were used to doing patches or whatever. Yeah. I mean, so the basic idea here is, you know, every time you log into Gmail, you're running the latest version, yeah. right? It's just like how apps work today. But for whatever reason on servers, the state of the art is get it running and don't touch it. <laughs> and so yeah. we thought, hey, if we could just apply kind of the same principles that everybody's already comfortable with for certain applications, but just not for servers yet, um, that maybe we could unlock a lot of value. Um, and so, yeah, now how does that actually work, right? Well, it's a different approach. You know, people... People experience this, but not in the kind of direct, in-your-face way that we do it with CoreOS. Um, you know, if you run on a platform like Heroku or or Google um, Google's uh, App Engine, you know, you're never really thinking about what version of the kernel is running or what System D is running under there or whatever. You just really don't think about it, right? You just think about your application um, that's running, and uh, and so I think the the transition that that uh, you know enables us to to you know, do our update model this way is also a transition to thinking about infrastructure as a set of applications. Now, that also happens to be very timely with, you know, all the excitement around Docker, because Docker is fundamentally about building and packaging your applications. So, you know, our goal, I think, if we're successful, is you really just don't care about the OS at all anymore. Uh, you don't really think about the updates, because they're just all taken care of for you. Um, and, and we're building, you know, all these tools around it um, to, to make that possible. But hey, it's still the early days. I mean, our cluster management, which is a key component to this actually working, um, is still under heavy, heavy development. And we don't consider etcd and fleet production ready yet. Um, and so the companies that are successfully deploying CoreOS into production, it's because it's because they're they're managing the updates in a different way or they're okay with, with you know minor downtimes in exchange for not having to worry about it. Um, but doing it in a fully automated where your applications instantly fail over and and you don't have to like ha experience any downtime. Like, people are doing it on CoreOS. You can use etcd and fleet today, but it's just not at our like quality bar yet that we we're ready to put our production label on it. Right, right. And you guys are you're you're kind of getting into that space where y you you can manage it for people or they can kind of do it on their own inside the firewall. Is that kind of how it's evolved or is it still mostly everything you guys manage it, manage it yourself I mean you manage it for them so in terms of preparing the actual patches and like making them available it's very similar to how Ubuntu or Red Hat work right like most companies don't get in the business of actually like building the patch for their their distro that's provided by the, the mm -hmm. distro provider um, but people are used to being in the business of when those things are applied and when they run. And so we kind of have all modes. We have the full full auto update mode, which is what we do by default. Um, but for companies that, that know how to, that care about security, that see the bash vulnerability and they have an ops team that goes and takes care of it, they might want the control of when it actually goes out. And so you can bring up CoreOS in a mode where it allows you to choose like when it, you know, when it reboots or not, or when it, when it actually applies that patch. So you can do it during your maintenance window and, you know, whatever, whatever you need. We still make the model itself, you know, very sophisticated in that you can revert back and you can do that atomically. And you can, um, you know, we, we check, we update the whole OS at once, not just package by package, you know, and things like that. Um, and so you can still take advantage of that, but you can push the button also on when it goes down if, if you want to manage it yourself. Gotcha. gotcha. Okay. Now, you know, as you guys have gotten more mature and, and you've started to have products and stuff, um, you know, so Docker has Docker Hub for managing Docker images, and then you guys have what you call Enterprise Registry. What's the what's the difference? Um, because in both cases, you're sort of managing 
uh, either OSs or, or images that could run in, in Docker containers, right? Or what's the difference between, say, Docker Hub and, and CoreOS Enterprise Registry? Sure. So the Enterprise Registry is for companies that want to use um, Docker but don't want to talk to a centralized registry. Um, and so it's kind of like, you know, there's, there's, there's multiple sides of Docker. Um, there's Docker, the like client and daemon that runs containers, and that's kind of analogous to Git. It's like the Git open source tool, right? Mm -hmm. And then there's there's the Docker Hub, which is kind of like GitHub. Um, you know, where most people use Git, but Git isn't configured by default to use GitHub. Even though most people use GitHub with Git, it's not a requirement, right? Yep. And so Enterprise Registry is similar to GitHub Enterprise, where you have um, companies that want that experience, but they want it in their own environment, and they don't want it to talk to the internet at all, and they want it to run on their own servers. Um, and so what we're trying to provide in our product line is a set of, you know, a set of tools that allow you to run your infrastructure um, sort of this new way, um, but give you a complete solution. You, you could go and piece together it all yourself with, with all these open source components if you wanted to and, and do that, or you could come to us and we've sort of figured out all the pieces for you, um, and we, we keep them up to date and give you the latest features and everything too. Gotcha, gotcha. So, you know, it feels like, you know, when I, when I look at CoreOS, and I, I always hate to do this when we talk to, to young companies, because it's like, there's a part of you that goes, okay, you're, you're trying to understand what they do, and then there's part of you that goes, okay, kind of compare them to companies that exist, and a lot of times that's not totally fair. Um, you, you know, when, when I look at what you guys are in, to a certain extent, like you said, it's sort of low-level stuff. It is Linux distributions, but it's a lot of, um, you know, the tools around it and so forth. It, it feels like it's different because it's the kind of the time and the age we're in than what, like, Red Hat or Ubuntu have done. You guys, it feels like you're much more of a system company. You're thinking about not sort of individual servers, but you're thinking about cluster cluster management. You're giving people options as to how they're going to manage stuff because you'll you you potentially can manage it remotely for them. I mean, do do you think about yourself as more like a system type of company in what you build and and how you kind of try and help com companies fix solve problems? Oh, um, definitely. Fair? Yeah, definitely. I. I think you know we're we're in a weird cross section. There's there's the enterprise Linux folks, where enterprise Linux is typically about a supported Linux kernel. That's like what it all boils down to at the end of the day um, is a supported Linux kernel, and we do have that. But but we do it from a perspective of like let's support upstream and make upstream Linux really great, and it already is pretty great. So we can actually like go a pretty long way by just running upstream, you know? Yeah. Um, so there's that kind of cross-section. Then there's like the application-focused view, which is kind of similar to VMware. I mean, VMware at the end of the day is is an application-focused um, company. You build these you know, virtual appliances that are running applications. Um, and VMware is also interesting because they have ESX, which I think if ESX was built today, it would probably be open source. Um, but they have all the management tools on top that that are like the full solution versus just the pieces, right? Right. Um, and then there's also the cloud providers themselves. The cloud providers, you know, they're not nothing like a Linux distribution by any means, but they do offer, you know, applications, platform services to run. Um, and we have kind of similar things. Like etcd is is a platform service that you can that your applications can use to to discover each other, to perform master elections, or or these other things, and it works for 
wherever, you know, well, one, it works wherever you want to run etcd, but, but it's always available wherever you run CoreOS. So you have that platform service and, you know, other platform services like Fleet available to, to um, you know, run your applications with. So it's kind of this weird cross-section between the cloud providers, you know, a company like VMware in terms of how the products work, and then there's just the Linux distro side. Um, I think another another way to think about it is nobody talks about Android as a Linux distribution, right? <laughs> That's, yeah. But it is at the end of the day, the Linux distribution. But nobody talks about it that way. And I think CoreOS is is similar to that. We get slotted in the Linux distribution bucket um, because server people think about OSs as Linux distributions. Right, right, right. And you're you're really, like you said, trying to get away from thinking about the OS and and all the other stuff that points up towards application stuff. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because it. It is getting to the point, like you said, where it's it's kind of a an interesting cross section, and and you can't just be one thing anymore. You you sort of have to figure out which like multiple places to to write code and add value and, and do interesting things. Right. Um, do you guys? I, I know you know you you do a bunch of stuff obviously around servers and you know service providers are 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 offering your stuff as as hosted services and cloud services. Are you? Are you starting to see people also deal with your with your technologies for some of the sort of distributed devices and Internet of Things and sensors and stuff yet, or is that just kind of too far off the radar to be you know worth spending a lot of cycles on? Um, you know, it's definitely not what we're focusing on right now. I think one of the charters of CoreOS was like, let's build a server OS. There's no like pure play server OSs out there. You know, yeah. they're pure play phone OSs and they're pure play like desktop OSs, but there are no pure play server OSs. Um, and yet Linux has one on the server. So why isn't there one, you know? Right. Um, but at the same time, it's a very natural thing because what we do is uh, borrow a lot of the concepts from appliances and devices and make them work on the server. Like the way we do updates, you know, it's like an over the air update, like how your phone works. And your phone at the end of the day is like an internet of things device. You know, it might be for a human to interact with, but it, it's still this like connected out in the field device, right. um, and and actually just yesterday I was talking to a um, I was having a meeting with an executive at you know one of the top five technology firms out there, and we were talking specifically about that how they want to put compute you know out in the field like closer to the edge you know at a server capacity, and could CoreOS be a good platform for that? And it's sort of splitting the difference between uh, Internet of Things and infrastructure because a lot of what the Internet of Things devices are doing, like sensors are providing infrastructure data or infrastructure capacity in, in some way. Um, and so I think it's a natural next step. Um, you know, I think it would be fun to, to make CoreOS work on, you know, ARM and like, <laughs> and these other platforms. Um, there's no reason it can't, but we just haven't, haven't invested there yet. Um, so I think, it, I think, you know, once we get our first few billion in revenue and we need to keep <laughs> growing the business, then we'll start expanding right. uh, into other markets. <laughs> yeah. Now, are there now sort of talking? I guess in the in the context of hardware, and I'll, I'll sort of you know wrap this up a little bit because I know it's it's uh, late on your side and my side. Do, do you guys see stuff that's going on in in hardware? You know, whether it's from an Intel or any of the ARM chipsets, where you go, oh, there's there's stuff we can take advantage of that's uh, you know going to accelerate how well stuff works, or it's going to make um, you know scalability better. I mean, like, is there, is there a couple of things like with like with VMware? when this VT technology, so sort of like hardware-based uh, virtualization acceleration happened, 
it kind of kicked off what went on. Do, do you guys see, do you look at that sort of stuff? Do you deal with that sort of stuff or you don't worry about it, the hardware level, chip level stuff too much? Oh no, we definitely think about the hardware chip level stuff um, just because it provides us opportunities to, to you know, offer unique things. Um, because again, our update model allows us to always be running the latest version. If, if there's a, a new piece of hardware out there, we can take advantage of its capabilities very quickly. Um, some of the things that we're targeting that are newer are, are around security. Um, okay. And these are unreleased uh, products for us yet, but kind of hint, hint, wink, wink. We're working on some capabilities where we integrate deeply with the with the hardware in order to provide kind of you know unparalleled security that, that you just haven't been able to get before on, on computing platforms. And okay. I think it's also, it's very timely because, you know, like, no, nothing is to be trusted anymore, <laughs> you right. know, like if you can imagine that it, it's happened, <laughs> you know, okay. and so um, and so we're 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 looking at some of the new things that the hardware providers are putting out um, that we can integrate, you know, at the application level that, that sort of take advantage of some some new security capabilities. And, and you know, we're pretty excited about that. But that, that's one area I think, um, you know, there's some interesting things going on in the network. Um, you know, Intel has has done some work where that where they take like a Linux sort of um, you know a, a Linux networking thing, particularly around the the networking virtualization stuff that's been happening, and then they go and implement it in hardware, yep. um, which is pretty neat because you can target Linux and then get it accelerated um, through through hardware, and uh, and that's another example I think analogous to the VT extensions um, that uh, you know that are kind of emerging, and we would definitely evaluate, but. Right. But no, we, we like the bleeding edge. We think the bleeding edge is where all the goodness is at, and we want to help people, you know, get there safely and reliably. Okay. And and you guys, like, you guys just released something called Rudder here, which is sort of networking for Docker. Um, I mean, do you, like, what at, at what point do you sort of go, we've got to build something and, and build it into the OS, like uh, like networking, when there there are other options that are out there, and when do you go, we'll just... You know, we'll just interrupt. We'll just work with whatever exists out there. Like, is there a is there a mindset that that you sort of go through, or is it just what people ask for? Or? Um, yeah. So we're definitely we definitely only build things when something that something doesn't exist that sort of fits our profile. Yeah. Um, and and we do we desperately try to avoid building new things as much as we can because any engineering thing that we take on, you know, it's non trivial. Right. Um, and so, um, so yeah, first off also rudder is now named flannel. Okay. Um, so flannel is what we're talking about here, but, but the, you know, flannel fills a need on the, um, on the networking side that is non obviously needed. Like it's, there is a lot of networking going on. Um, but, but the solutions that are out there, like there's no clear, like this is the way it works, you know. Um, like this, this is the this is the one that like everyone should use, and and there's all these different implementations and and different approaches to networking, and a lot of it, like there's a lot of companies that have built their whole business around it, which often will overcomplicate the products and everything as well. Like do more than what people need just to be able to build a product around it, mm -hmm. um, and so. You know, we spent a lot of time looking at networking. You know, I, I've I was previously at Rackspace, and you know, Rackspace did a lot of stuff with OpenStack. We have our own networking guys here that that have looked at this stuff. And again, we do not try to build new products if we don't have to. And we we really built Flannel um, because uh, 
because it just it wasn't something that fit the profile. That was like gotcha. easy to set up. That was distributed by default. Um, that worked across clouds and fabrics. So like you can run it on on uh, on physical fabric. You run it on a cloud platform like Amazon, and it and it just works. You know, um, whereas existing things they all kind of have different um, different sort of capabilities based on what actual physical fabric they're on. Um, and and so yeah, we we built something because there wasn't something that obviously was just the one, <laughs> if that makes sense. Right. No, it makes it makes a ton of sense. And and it is a space that is still very undefined. So yeah, if you can figure out and be the guys who build it such that it's easy and it just kind of works, that's that's very, very cool. So well, listen, um, so this has been good. I mean, you guys, I mean, for having been doing this for a year, um, you know, you look at the number of large providers that are uh, that are offering CoreOS as a service, the the stuff you guys have done with Docker, with etcd, with Fleet, now with Flannel, like it's a pretty amazing amount of stuff you guys have gotten done in one year. Um, and if you're going to take on security, that's, that's huge as well. Um, you guys are in beta or things are going into GA fairly soon? Um, so the base OS itself is GA and stable. Um, we ship we ship stable versions of the base OS. We support it. It's good to go. Um, the clustering is is still yet to be GA. Um, and so essentially, the base OS, you know, it's support on all these different cloud providers. Um, you know, an upstream kernel um, and you know the Docker functionality on CoreOS. Um, as well as all the other open source bits, system D and everything else that we're running on on the base OS is stable and supported. Um, on the cluster management, etcd and fleet and flannel, some of the things that involve uh, the distributed systems components, those are those are still again not a at a, a stable production ready thing in our eyes. That doesn't keep people from running in production, but right. we're not we're not technically supporting it yet. Very cool. Well, listen, um, I'm going to go ahead and just wrap it up for tonight. Um, thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, for anybody that wants to learn more about CoreOS, you know, aside from going to the website and stuff, any any events you guys are going to be at or places where guys from your team are going to be speaking anytime soon? Yeah, we have guys going all over, um, all over the world. Um, Brandon, our CTO, is going to be at LynxCon in Europe uh, coming up here in just a week or two. I think it's next week. Um, I'm going to be in um, in Chicago and then New York um, here in the next couple weeks at a few different events. Uh, we have guys going to Velocity in Barcelona. We have there's a couple conferences in Asia. <laughs> it's all it's all place. over the place. So you should you should run into somebody. You should run into somebody on the CoreOS team if if you're going to any major technical conference, uh, you know, infrastructure related conference here in the near future. Very cool. Very cool. Well, Alex, thanks for being on the show tonight, folks. Um, again, go check out CoreOS, uh, coreos.com. And uh, for Aaron and for myself, uh, thanks and have a good night. <laughs>